As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm Justin Briley, Premier Unbelievable's Theology and Apologetics Editor. I get to sit down with Alistair McGrath on a regular basis for the C.S. Lewis Podcast, sitting in still for Ruth Jackson, who continues her maternity leave at the moment. Today we're continuing this new season looking at the shorter works of Lewis and today we're looking at Dogma and the Universe originally published in 1943 in a Christian magazine. It sees Lewis look at the fact that modern science tells us the universe had a beginning and that life will also come to an end in it one day. Uh, Thanks by the way to J.L. Henkel who left us a review of the podcast saying I've never been a podcast person but I adore this one. Lewis is hands down my favourite author and has been a huge part of my Christian journey. Listening to Alistair Ruth and Justin discuss his life, books and insights has been wonderful. It's always a joy to encounter other Lewis fans and I love being able to sit in on these great conversations. Thank you so much, J.L. Henkel. Uh, Do leave us a rating and a review in your podcast provider. It helps others to discover us. And by the way, if you enjoy this show, have you listened to our newest podcast from Premier Unbelievable? It's called Unapologetic. It's a weekly show in which I interview some leading Christian thinkers, apologists and evangelists. Uh, We've been looking particularly at the work of Glenn Scrivener recently and we're moving on to John Lennox as well who's another great C.S. Lewis fan so if you want to check that one out and add it to your podcast regular listening look out for Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable wherever you get your podcast from Uh, for now let's get into today's discussion Welcome back to this week's edition of the show. We're currently looking through a number of C.S. Lewis's shorter works, uh, essays, uh, articles, sermons that he preached sometimes. And today we're going to be looking at one from 1943 called Dogma and the Universe. Before we get into that, though, Alistair, who joins me again on the show today, I think you've got a new book out recently. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yes, well, there's a book called What's the Point of Theology? And it's a very good question because a lot of people say to me, look, Alistair, why why do we need this stuff? I mean, can't we just live out our ordinary Christian lives? Or again, lots of senior people in churches say, look, this this stuff doesn't matter. What really matters is church growth. It's about um, getting to know influencers. It's all about uh, management techniques. I think that's, that's all very important. But this is just saying, look, theology preserves the vision of faith. It allows us to see what is so exciting about our faith and to translate it into terms for our culture to understand. So it's really very important for evangelism, apologetics, preaching, all these things. And this book really is an attempt just to say, look, we really do need theology. And I hope I will help my readers to see why it matters and how they can use it themselves in their own lives of faith. 
Well, thank you for writing. Well, we'll go into a bit more depth in uh, in a couple of episodes time, because one of the essays of Lewis that we'll be looking at is the question, is theology poetry, which I'm sure will have some bearing on, on your own book as well on that subject. But uh, we'll come back to that. Um, for now, Dogma and the Universe. Um, tell us Tell us a little bit about this particular essay of Lewis's. Where, where did it come from? When was it written? Well, it was written in 1943, and Lewis wrote a lot of stuff for a, a, new, a church newspaper called The Guardian, not, not the famous Manchester Guardian in Britain, but rather a newspaper Lewis used a lot. For example, um, Screwtape Letters were originally published in, in that paper. And this was one he, he wrote in 1943. And I think really Lewis just felt that something needed to be said about this because um, we're in the Second World War. In fact, a lot of Lewis's best short writings are from this period. But he, he just felt, I need to say there is more to life than materialism. And Lewis tries to to begin to map out what he thinks are the most important um uh important concerns this raises why is this inadequate and how do we begin to challenge it very good um as you say it is a, a critique of materialism really um what in in some ways it's it's quite a you know it's an interesting one to read because it's really lewis engaging with the, the you know what was the cutting edge of physics and science in his day it was only relatively recently i suppose in 1943 that the the concept of the big bang had been proposed the idea that uh, all of time space and matter had a beginning um uh, that that was something lewis didn't in any way see as um a problem. In fact, he saw it as potentially a very complementary aspect of uh, science to Christian faith, didn't he? Well, he did. And one of the points he makes in this essay, which I think is a really good one, is, look, um, the materialist says, look, ma the, the material universe is all we have. Just get used to it. We are part of that. We are just material elements inside the universe. We can't talk about meaning or value. That's just the way things are. But Lewis just makes the point, look, um, material came into being. We now know that, the Big Bang, though they didn't use that phrase at the time. Um, nature is not everlasting. That's a key theme in this um, essay. And one of the points that Lewis is making is, well, if it, if it comes from somewhere, what does it come from? Because any, any recognition that, materi that material comes from somewhere is a recognition that it's not of ultimate significance. So I think that's a very important point. But I think the main point that Lewis wants to bring out is that although human beings are indeed made of material, that's not enough to describe and define who we are. Human beings are able to transcend their materialism because they have this, this, this ability to recognize the deeper meaning of our universe. And that's a very important point, that materialism is simply one aspect of things. There's a lot more that needs to be said. He, he quotes from one particular contemporary of his. Um, uh, he, he says this, Professor Whitaker said, um, uh, it was never possible to oppose seriously the dogma of the creation, except by maintaining that the world has existed from all eternity in more or less its present state. Do you want to just explain who who this Whitaker is and and why Lewis was quoting from him. Whitaker was a leading physicist, uh, leading British physicist of this period. And so I think he this is drawn from a publication of 1942, the year before Lewis published this article. So Lewis is clearly saying, look, 
This is up-to-date science from a leading scientist who is making the point that the only way to really um, oppose um, the idea of the spiritual domain of life or the idea of creation is to say that the world has existed always in its present state. And Lewis is saying, well, actually, that's now not looking like it's the case anymore. And Lewis is saying that uh, science is not fixed. It changes its mind. That in effect, there are some things it holds on to which are good, but there are other beliefs that turn out to be wrong. And this is actually one of them, the idea the universe has always been there. So Lewis is bringing out the provisionality of science and the real danger of, in effect, freezing science and saying, what are things today is the way things really are. I think that's a very important point, because in my own critique of Richard Dawkins, I make the point that very often Dawkins says, well, this is what science thinks today. So that's it. But actually, science does change its mind. Mm. And that's a very important point, I think, to bring out. And Lewis makes this point here. Yes. And, and he wasn't saying that we should wed our Christian beliefs to science. To, to, and he was fully, fully accepted that the science could change when it comes to the Big Bang. I know he didn't call it that at the time, but the, the science that was emerging around that. So he, but he was saying that, that in a sense, um, well, the, the whole point of the essay, really, and, and this is what he sketches out at the beginning, is is that one of the common critiques of Christianity is that well, it's you know it's so old and ancient that it can't possibly keep up with modern scientific findings. It's always going to be bending itself to this. But but he seems to to be saying throughout this essay that actually Christianity um, is of a mode, and and the the ideas and doctrines of Christianity kind of have this capacity to actually encompass whatever science may come up with in the end. It, it seems that he's trying to make the case that we're dealing with. Um, some, some, you know, we, we don't have to see this sort of uh, that the, the Bible is somehow, you know, always exactly giving us scientific principles and so on. D does that make sense? It does. I think the main point that Lewis is making is that, um, yes, Christianity is old, but actually the, 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 in human knowledge, there's some knowledge that is not superseded. Words, there's some stuff that's so important that actually is passed down from one generation to another. And science really is telling us how our universe functions. But we need to know about something deeper, which is what it means, what we mean. And that, that I think, is a point that Lewis really wants to bring out in this essay. He's not critiquing science. He's simply making the point that it changes its ideas as it goes along. And that's great. But there are some truths that are so deep, so profound, we need need to hold on to them. And for Lewis, that's why Christianity is so important, because it is articulating some very important ideas about who we are and why we matter, and also giving us a framework which helps us to understand why science works, but also what science's limits are. There's a great quote here, and I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to quote from, from the essay here. Um, he says, uh, no, it is not Christianity which need fear the giant universe. And this comes in the context of him sort of making a defense for why it's not at all incompatible with the idea of a creator God that we happen to live in a in, a, in this extraordinary vast universe. In fact, he, he points out that many of the ancients knew that they lived in a vast universe as well, and it wasn't a problem for them. But anyway, to go on, he says, it is not Christianity which need fear the giant universe. It is those systems which place the whole meaning of existence in biological or social evolution on our own planet. It is the creative evolutionist, the, the I'm going to mispronounce this, the Ber Bergsonian or Shavian or the communist who should tremble when he looks up at the night sky, for he really is committed to a sinking ship. He really is attempting to ignore the discovered nature of things as though by concentrating on the possibly upward trend in a single planet, he could make himself forget the inevitable downward trend 
in the universe as a whole, the trend to low temperatures and irre irrevocable disorganization. For entropy is the real cosmic wave and evolution only a momentary Tellurian ripple within it. Um, it's, it's a really interesting, and, and I've noticed this in some of his other essays that we're going to be looking at. He quite frequently references the fact that modern physics not only tells us about a beginning, but also an end to the universe, that the sun will eventually die, that there will be this, you know, uh, heat death of the universe, the entropy and so on, so that no physical thing, you know, no organic matter could ever. And, and there's a sort of almost nihilism in the, the material account of reality in that sense. Um, and, and so what, what's he doing here in this particular passage saying that, you know, this is more a problem for, for, for the materialist, for the, um, as he says, the Berg, Bergsonian or Shavian or communist. Uh, they're the ones who should fear the fact we're living in a on a sinking ship. Yes, I mean, it's a great quote. And he's, he's picking up on George Bernard Shaw. That's a Shavian bit. Okay. George Bernard Shaw was an atheist who loved science and um, in effect felt, well, look, this, we are in a sinking universe. It's all very depressing. Get used to it. There is no hope. But that's because we've got to be realistic. And what, what Lewis is saying is actually um, what we find is these people desperately looking for hope in something like, for example, the idea of evolution or something like that. Whereas in reality, um, basically, the whole thing's going down. And what we need is some glimmer of hope in the midst of this. And rather than kind of artificially invent this, Lewis is saying we need to see this whole thing in a Christian perspective. Because the minute you see the universe as creation, rather than just a kind of um, cosmic event which is going to be ultimately extinguished, you see it in a new way and you see yourself in a new way. Now, Lewis hasn't got the space to develop this point in this article. What he's doing is, in effect, critiquing um, uh, prominent forms of materialism at that time and saying we need something bigger and better than this. And he hasn't got enough time to really explain what Christianity has to say on this. But nevertheless, he's trying to say it even by its own criteria. Materialism, in effect, it doesn't really offer us very much. Hmm. Um, I, I particularly appreciated what he had to say, and I've encountered this this argument frequently from people saying, "Well, why why did God, you know, create you know, if God exists and is behind the universe? Why why this extraordinarily large universe with with just us, you know, on this tiny planet on the edge of the Milky Way, and so on?" Um, and Lewis Lewis sort of sort of objects to this, saying, "Well, you know, I I hear it going in both directions. You know, um, he, he he says you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, effectively, because on the one hand, people criticize." say god can't be behind this whole show look at you know how extraordinarily large this whole universe is at the same time if we lived in uh, some small you know very contained sort of universe uh, that equally you know would seem to be a bizarre thing um i mean what what's your response to someone who says that alistair you know as someone who obviously knows the science of the universe and in a way even more than lewis, lewis knew in his day we see how extraordinarily grand and, and vast the the observable universe is um does that in any way suggest that god can't have had us in mind or we weren't in mind we're just a sort of random byproduct of, of what is inevitably a, a huge universe i don't think there's a problem here i mean many atheists you know in previous generations said look the universe has always been here so we don't need god now of course they have to change their minds because the universe came into existence so now they're finding a different reason to um critique the idea of god which is um okay if the universe evolved well it evolved to be very very big and we didn't need to be so big did it so they're always finding a reason or again another area for example um in the old days people used to say look religion is forced it's artificial nobody thinks like this so it's an 
artificial imposition. Nowadays, um, the cognitive science says actually it's quite natural to believe in God. So now the argument is, oh, well, look, because it's natural, it just means we think like that. And therefore, you know, we can get rid of God that way. I mean, the point is, no matter what the evidence suggests, there'll always be those who say this is bad news for faith. So let's just um, weigh that up and, and reflect on that. <laughs> so as, as Lewis puts it, we treat God as the police treat a man when he is arrested. Whatever he does will be used in evidence against him. <laughs> yes, very um, good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great quote. Um, I mean, there, there's a, another interesting quote from the essay. It says, wherever there is real progress in knowledge, there is some knowledge that is not superseded. Um, what's Lewis talking about there? He's obviously saying that, that, you know, yes, science progresses and we learn more and more about the universe and our place in it and so on. What does he mean by this knowledge that, that is nevertheless not superseded? What he's saying is that um, science is, in effect, expanding its vision of how this universe functions. And of course, that's wonderful. But he's saying, nevertheless, there are some deeper truths about who we are, how we should behave towards other people, and why we matter. And that the, these, in effect, are passed down as wisdom from one generation to another, and we find this in Christianity. And one of the points that Lewis makes, I think, very well, um, not much in this essay, but certainly other ones, is that one of the reasons that we keep reading older books is that we see a recognition of this point. Here is something very, very important we must never lose sight of. We need to keep reiterating this, because otherwise it's going to be drowned out. And for Lewis, he, he's really saying that there's some knowledge that's not superseded. It's always there. And that's why, you know, we keep going back to the New Testament. There's some things here that, in effect, continue to speak to us very, very powerfully. And actually, I mean, science may drown them out, but it doesn't, in effect, make them irrelevant or wrong. Mm, yeah. And, and, and indeed, I think he uses the phrase elsewhere, chronological snobbery, um, this idea that simply because we live in our age with our understanding of things, we somehow know more or, or have a better grasp on things. And, and yes, we may, we may know perhaps more about the physical nature of the universe, but that doesn't necessarily mean we've actually living life more fruitfully or that we've engaged with the, the core reality of, of what life is any better than the ancients. In fact, they may have got a better handle on it than we have. I think that's a very fair point. And I do remember um, a lot of discussion about, you know, when the man, the first men landed on the moon. You remember that? I remember mm. sitting up late at night to watch that happen. Uh, and, you know, there was all this excitement. Look here, we are human beings. We, we actually got to the moon, which may be true, but we still had violence in society. We still had world hunger and poverty. In other words, you know, um, there's still an awful lot of stuff that needs to be addressed. And science, you know, may give us tools, but it doesn't solve our problems. And I think that, you know, if we look at our world today with COVID and the war in Ukraine, it reminds us we need something which is telling us who we are as human beings, what is good, what is right. And that we keep coming back to those things. They're important. And that's why we keep reading older writers who knew this and are giving us ideas that we can take and use in the present day. Well, it's been really interesting to, to sort of have a little uh, uh, walk through this particular essay by Lewis, Dogma and the Universe, as you say, published originally in The Guardian, not The Guardian we, we know today, uh, a previous uh, Christian periodical. Um, but that was back in 1943. I'm, I've been reading it as well from my edition of God in the Dock, which, uh, you know, is essentially a collection of various 
essays, sermons and things by Lewis. But uh, if you want to go and find it for yourself, you can find copies floating around on the internet or in collected anthologies of Lewis's uh, essays as well. But for now, it's been great fun uh, talking through it with yourself, Alistair, and I'll see you next time. I look forward to that very much. Thank you. Hey, thanks for being with us on the show this week. Don't forget, you can get more from the show by registering to get our newsletter over at premierunbelievable.com. That's also the place for all of the shows, podcasts and resources we're bringing you at the moment, including our newest podcast, Unapologetic. If you want also sessions from Alistair from Unbelievable, the conference, that's the place to click through to as well at the Premier Shop. You can find the links from today's show for now. Thanks for being with us and see you next time.